So before I turn things over to Greg, I do want to encourage uh, the church and Greg with some little background information. First off, for those of you that don't know, uh, Greg has been appointed an elder in our family of churches here in the north part of L.A. And uh, having known Greg for many years now, you want me to tell you how many? A couple of decades, yeah. It's been, been, <laughs> yeah. been, been a while, yeah. Uh, we've, yeah. Been, we've been very good friends for many, many years. Uh, he's a dear brother. There's nobody I could think of more qualified than to become an elder in our family of churches than Greg. Of course, his lovely wife, Denise, is with us today. And we're grateful to have her. Uh, but I really just want to, on, on behalf of my wife and I, and those of us that know uh, Greg on a personal level for many years, really want to encourage you to open up your heart, because Greg is a great man of wisdom. He's not a professional speaker, but he's going to speak from his heart, and, and there's a lot of jewels in what he's going to share today. He really is a dear friend, and we are really grateful for him. Here's a picture of him and his family, and uh, they're really wonderful people. And so with that, I'm going to turn things over to Greg. Thank you. Good morning. So, I'm not a preacher, and uh, I've just become an elder, but I'm, I'm very young, so I don't know why they call it that. Um, so today, what I want to do with you is I want to just, as Joe said, share from my heart. Um, matter of fact, I'm going to be doing something different like the singers did today, which was really awesome. And you all sounded great. I love acapella singing. I actually grew up with it. And I'll explain that a little bit more about my past. Um, because in the traditional Church of Christ, um, you do a lot of a cappella or sometimes always a cappella singing. So this was really great. Now today, I have my physical Bible. I'm going to ask you to get yours out on your phone or whatever, because that's the only thing you'll see up here today. So, uh, so I do want you to follow along. We're just going to look at a couple scriptures together, uh, two or three, and... Um, but I, wanna, I want to um, back up just a little bit. So this is my second sermon, and I'm getting used to it. I don't know how often I'll do this, but I've always appreciated the men in the church um, who lead every Sunday, and they do a sermon. And I knew it was a lot of work, and I knew it was hard, and I knew it was a lot of responsibility. Now I really know. <laughs> And uh, so I really appreciate the guys that do that. And Joe in specific, I think I remember his first sermon. And you know, his first sermon up to today, I'll just have to tell you, I always thought he did such a great job. I really did. And um, I always thought that he was kind of an out-of-box thinker guy. Uh, he was somebody that would be willing to try stuff new, and uh, it always impressed me. And so, Joe, great job, and, and, and now that I know how much work it really is, I have so much more respect. So, my family, um, there I am in the center, but to my left, the gentleman there in the glasses, that's my oldest son, Zachary. He's 29 years old. Honey, did I get that right? 29? So he's 29. That's his wife, Courtney, next to him. On my other side, my youngest son, who is 24. Did I get that right? 24. So 24. And that's Ashley, his wife. They got married last June. 
So Zachary works at uh, California State University in uh, University North Northridge. Thank you. And um, so he graduated from there, and now he works there. He's a recruiter, and he's a college advisor. Um, very proud of him. Now, hey, Zachary, on the left, if you don't know, he's profoundly deaf. So um, there's a lot of history through our life on what's led us to Los Angeles and California because I'm not from here. Um, if you were to ask me before I moved here from the East Coast, what, what um, California would be where on your list for your decision to move? And it was, you know, number 12, something like that. Uh, however, Denise's family was from here. West Covina still is, they all live there. And that's been a huge blessing. But we moved out because of Zachary. So Nathan became, and so Zachary became a disciple when he was 17, 16, 17. It's all the same thing. And then Nathan became a disciple when he was 19. And you might think that freaked us out a little bit. You know, he took his time. It didn't, or well, actually with my wife it did, but um, it did not scare me. Had a lot of faith that he would make it. Didn't know how that was going to go, but we made sure that they found their own faith Amen. and their own conviction, and they came to their own decision. And so there wasn't a lot of pushing. There wasn't a lot of talking, although we did talk about it. Um, but it was more how me and my wife lived. And so that's really what I want to talk to you about today, because you may be wondering, and those of you that know me, why are you an elder? And really, you're an elder? Um, so I, I wanted to kind of tell a story because really I feel like, frankly, I'm like you. Um, I work full time. I work in property management. I work on the west side of LA. I live in Burbank and I travel to the Valley Church because that's where the deaf ministry is, where Zachary kind of grew up. So. That's what I do. And, um, you know, if I can for a moment go way back to when I was 19 years old, my brother at the University of Georgia, my oldest brother, he, um, when did I start? Just now. Because, <laughs> you know, I'll only be up here an hour or two. Um, so my oldest brother, uh, we were talking on the phone. I was in Virginia in Washington, D.C. area, and he was in Georgia in school. He started going to a Bible study. He ended up getting baptized in the discipling movement, and he said, you know, you should check out a Church of Christ and go there. Now, for those of you that don't know me, even now you're all looking at me because I'm up here speaking, but as a person, I hate it when I walk in the room and everybody looks at me. I'm kind of an introvert. And so this is really odd for me because you're all staring at me. But you should be doing that, I guess. But my personality is, please don't look at me and please don't ask me a lot of questions. Um, so the really weird thing is, knowing that about me, right? I went and did what he said. I went to the Yellow Pages and I looked up a Church of Christ and I went to their Wednesday service by myself. I didn't know a soul, and I walked into the class, and thankfully there was a lot of people my age. Um, 
But that's kind of where my story started because I actually studied the Bible and was baptized when I was 20 in the traditional church. So I kind of want to just give you a history. Um, now, after that, uh, you know, I went to church faithfully. My wife did too. She was baptized when she was very young in the church, Church of Christ. And uh, so we went to church and we tried to live the life. I think I lived the life less than she did. There's a lot of sin in my life and I wasn't really living like a disciple. So in my 20s, I actually traveled up to New York City multiple times because there was a discipling church up there that Boston had planted. And I could never find a job there, so I, I couldn't ever move there. But I wanted to move there because of the church, because I felt like I needed it. And my wife agreed, about me, but her too, I think. Um, and it was kind of amazing because there was not one open door there for me. But not too many years later, a couple years later after going through that, the Boston church decided to plant a church in Washington, D.C., way ahead of schedule. And so there was a group of us that came over, about a dozen of us, and went to that church with their planting. And so we were there from the beginning. If you know Russ Yule, he was the preacher. And so me and my wife were baptized then, and I was... 30, 31 years old. She was really young. Um, so that's how we got into the church. Then right after, actually we were pregnant, I think. Uh, she was pregnant when we were baptized. And so we found out she was pregnant. We had already been married seven years and pregnant with Zachary. And um, so Zachary was born but he was born prematurely. He was born two months early, suddenly, and uh, he almost died. And so twice now in my life, I've had to face death with someone I really loved, which was my youngest son who was just born, and he almost died a few times. And then later, about eight years ago, with Denise, who had this very rare form of cancer that really isn't curable and actually kills you pretty quickly. And they found it really late. And uh, so she was getting ready to go into hospice before we did some radical treatment. She had a bone marrow transplant, on and on and on, and she ended up living. Amen. So at, at the time, um, at the time, it was, uh, it was challenging, um, but we were faithful. Um, I felt like we were very faithful. And um, she had a couple different doctors that gave kind of a time range of, we're just prolonging your life some with this very incredible bone marrow transplant, which was really difficult. And for her, it felt like she was dying during it. Um, the first doctor said, we, know, we, we don't really know. Two years, four years, if you're lucky. There's one guy we know of that seven years, but just one guy. Um, and then she got a new doctor right before she went in to get the transplant, and he just kind of deadpan told her one day in a meeting, um, I wouldn't plan on more than 16 months after this procedure. So we just had her eight-year celebration anniversary. <laughs> 
So I've told you all this to give you the title of my lesson. I told you we'd be here an hour or two. Um, we won't be, I'm, I'm just kidding. But um, how do you want to build your life is my question. And once we kind of address that question, how do you live your life now that you've decided to build a foundation? And many of you have already done it. You've been doing it like me for years. You know, it started, quite frankly, back when I was 19. Yeah. I didn't have any leadership or guidance in my home leading me to church. If you've ever met my father, he never, I got him to church a couple times, but he never prayed at the family table, even when all his kind of sons became Christians, you know, and we would want to pray. He, he never could say a prayer. And my mother tried, um, but they had divorced when I was 12, and I moved in with my dad when I was almost 14. Um, but I had the influence of my dad, who was very worldly, and he did not help me or lead me to church that day. Um, so I was really on my own spiritually. So I had to find my way. But it began when I was 19, when I realized, it was just clear to me, the world didn't have answers for me. The world was like grasping at a wind or oil slipping through your fingers. That's what the world was like. And if you look at the world now or the culture, the news, you know what I'm talking about. You know, that, 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 the world doesn't have answers, but what I found in studying the Bible is that it, it has answers. And so in Mark chapter 7, we're going to read a passage here about how you build. And it's never too late to start this building process. Some of you have already done this. How did I make it through these facing death with members of my family? How did I become an elder? Um, again, I'm just like you. I tried to build my foundation on the word of God. And I, I was agnostic at the time. I didn't believe in the Bible. I needed somebody to sit down and help me and teach me. And the Bible, to me, was incredible because it works. When you live it, when you practice it, it really does what it says. It's pretty amazing. I'm not saying it's a simple and easy life, though my life is better, much better than it would be otherwise. Um, but my goal in doing this is to get to heaven because I really believe in that too. So we're going to read in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds, crowds were amazed at his teaching. You know, this is a simple passage. I thought it might be too simple for today. But, you know, this is so foundational. 
and where he ends here with the crowds were amazed at his teaching, I got to ask you, are you still amazed at Jesus' teaching? Are you still amazed at the Bible? Because every day when I open it, I'm just amazed. I'm blown away. My favorite uh, package of, well, uh, really the book in the Bible, is Psalms. It just speaks to me. And there's plenty of them. And I just love it. But I love all of the Bible. Are you still amazed by the Bible? And if you're not, you can get there. Or you can get back there. So i got to be honest. It wasn't too long ago when I noticed that in my personal quiet times with God or reading the Bible, that I really wasn't going to the Gospels. I was going to the Psalms, I was going to the Proverbs, I was going to the Epistles and Philippians and Colossians. I was all over the place. Good stuff. But I noticed I wasn't going to the Gospels. And I realized the reason for that was the Gospels were so convicting to me. Jesus was so convicting to me. And I was kind of staying away. And now... You know, I read about Jesus and how he responded to the people that he came across, and I'm amazed. You know, it's incredible. And a simple story like this is so foundational to what you do. But you've got to be amazed at him. Because here's your choices. You can be wise, or you can be foolish. Hmm, let me see. I... How much time are you going to think, you know, take to think about that? Do I want to be wise or do I want to be foolish? It's not me talking. This is Jesus who's saying, here's your choices. And here's how you do it if you want to be wise. But if you want to be foolish, which you have the choice to do that, your house will crash one day. Now, some of us, that's already happened to. Okay? And some of us have had these things Streams rose, winds blew, beat against your house, but it didn't fall. You're still here. And I can't tell you how many times I messed up, big time, in my marriage, with my wife, on and on, sin. You know, the only thing that kept me in the game is I didn't give up. I stood up again, and I went to the Bible, and I tried to build my life the way it says here in Matthew 7. So, how do you do this? How do you build a great foundation? Sometimes it's just the simple stuff. Right. Your life, and this is a quote from Denise Lotain. Um, and she, she quoted this to me um, during a time recently, very recently, where I question what I do all day long. I work, and I love my work, and I feel like I'm good at my work, but how much am I helping people? Um, because I'm busy working. And she would, every once in a while, there's a picture of our sons, you know, playing, swimming in the pool, this and that. They went this place and that place and here and there. And I, I would say, where was I? <laughs> oh, yeah, I was working. And then she'd bring up another thing. I'd go, where was I? Oh, yes, I was working. But she said this. She says, your life 
the quiet, sometimes mundane, day-to-day -day toiling that you do is what God expects you to do. It is from God. And we, the kids, her, have been able to have a great life because I've worked and I've made a living. And so we put a lot into these kids. Um, we were there for them. And sometimes it's the quiet work that you do that nobody sees that's so important. Um, let me give you an example. Denise got involved uh, very recently with doing a lot of hope work over in the valley, um, kind of coordinating and facilitating stuff, trying to make things happen. Um, and in her going around doing this, she noticed something that she told me. She said, I am amazed that there are people already doing stuff. And they're doing their own thing. They put together a small group of ladies, or they did this, or they go, they go here, they feed the poor, but there's no announcements about it. There's no trumpet blaring. And if you ever see somebody like that? We've even, I've even done that in the church, you know? Tell people you're fasting uh, for this, you know? And I just lost my reward, you know? And I'm not supposed to be announcing all that. I'm supposed to walk in a room and trumpet the good things I'm doing. And all these people in the church over there, probably like here, were doing things that I didn't even know about. A lot of people didn't know about. So turn to Matthew chapter 6, and I want to read what Jesus says about how to build your foundation. What do you do today, tomorrow, the next day? Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus says, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Well, I could just stop there, yeah. right? Be careful not to practice your good things you do in front of others to be seen by them. You know, long ago, a day in the church, you know, you'd always announce this stuff. So, sorry, or you'd be in a meeting and, you know, sometimes it's called good news sharing. And there's, sometimes there's a reason why we share stuff. But I think it's more... And it's better to say less than more because that's what God is looking for. Remember I said it's the day-to-day -day mundane. Your life still has meaning. He says, if you do, here's the other problem, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. You just lost your reward because the Bible teaches that in the end, when you go to heaven, you will receive rewards for good things you do. Um, but he says, if you just come in and trumpet them, you will lose your reward. It goes on in verse 2. So, when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Which is kind of hard, because it's attached to the same body. So you got to be careful. So that your giving may be in secret. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Wow. Reading on. And when you pray, 
Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows that you need what you need before you ask him. When you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received the reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your father who is unseen. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So, something, some ingredients in here, hmm, we should be praying. Yeah. We should be fasting. We should be giving to the needy. We should be doing all these things. But Jesus is really saying, you just do it because you love me. Right. You don't do it for somebody else. You don't do it for Joe. You don't do it because of the church. You do it because it's the right thing to do. Right. You do it because Jesus did it. He's your example. And so this frees you up to be just you Amen. and the person you are. But you have to have these things in your life. But if you notice time and time again in here, it says, don't do it in front of others to be seen. Do not announce it with trumpets. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. What's done in secret so that it may be done in secret, not to be seen by others who is unseen, so that it will not be obvious to others. Unseen, done in secret. So it's a different concept. You just keep doing what you're doing, but you do it because of God. I think that's the lesson here. Yes. But you have to be doing all these things to build a foundation. But you got to build the foundation right. So eight years ago, when I found out my wife had cancer and she was very far along, if she didn't get treatment, she'd be, have died in two or three months, I think. That's how sick she was. And uh, I remember coming home once from work and uh, she had gone through some treatments, but it was really rough. And she had already met with hospice. So she was deciding that, you know, it's just, I just feel terrible, and I'm, I think I'm going to die anyway, so I'm just going to go into hospice. And so I called together a family meeting. I called, you know, I asked her if it was well, okay, could we meet with your mom and your sisters, not with our kids, but me and them and her. And she finally decided, she felt like she couldn't do it because the treatments were so tough, uh, but she decided to go through the treatments and then be a candidate for the bone marrow transplant at City of Hope. She went through that, and she was walking mountains three months later. And, you know, so I, I mean, I just didn't waver. I mean, I already had my faith in God, already believed that there's good and bad things that happen in the world. There's nature, there's our bodies, there's all these things, and I trusted in God fully. Did I want my wife to go? No but I was willing to let her go and let her do what she wanted to do. 
whatever that was. And I remember Zachary being the oldest uh, son. You know, he pretty much said the same thing. Zachary, I mean, this guy really, I feel like he knows about heaven. He believes in it so fiercely, and he's looking forward to going. And he, he said, Mom, whatever you want, even though he was being crushed in his heart that he would lose his mom, I want you to do what you want to do. Because really, you're going, you know, it just may be time for you to go, to go home. So I was really impacted by him, but I realized that for many, many years, I was just trying to live by the Bible. I'm really proud when I share my faith. Yesterday, I had my uh, gardener over. We were doing a bunch of tree work and other work, and I just stopped him, and I just shared my faith with him. But the thing I only always share with people is we're a non-denominational church. We just go by the Bible. I'm so proud of that because it's so freeing. And that's what I love about it. So I tried to do that in my life because when the winds and the storm came, I was ready. And so that's been a help to me. I want to wrap it all up by turning to um, Psalm 15. So there's other passages in the Bible where it kind of tells you, here's how you live. It gets real specific. Psalm 15 does that. Um, what's really a good book for you to read is Ephesians. So 1 through th 3 is kind of the broader picture, the ch picture of the church and what Christ had done. But 3 through 6 is how you're supposed to live. Very specific. Titus is like that. If you ever go through the book of Titus, underline how many times it says to do good. And that's the righteousness that Jesus is talking about. But you'd be amazed at how much it just talks about doing good in your life. So here in Psalm 15, it reads, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? But I want to stop there. I want you to think about that. A, do you really believe that? That there's a holy mountain, there's a place for you to go to. And that if you died tomorrow, that part B, do you believe you'd go? Okay? So it's a question to ask yourself. Because in John 14, Jesus said, look, I'm going to my father and I'm going to a house we're preparing, and I'm preparing a room for you. And that's, that's actually going on right now. He's preparing a room for us. And here it says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? I want to. Who may live on your holy mountain? Well, we're going to find out. Let's read on. The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to his neighbor, who casts no, no slurs on others, who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind, 
who lends money to the poor without interest and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Now, that's a little challenging. You can't slander anyone. You gotta do good to your neighbor, do right to your neighbor. There's a lot you gotta do or not do. Um, one of the things is, I think when, way back when, when I first read this, and I read this about Noah too, and I read about Noah, the same word was used in verse two, blameless. So Noah was blameless in God's sight. Job, same word to describe him, blameless. Hebrew word, tamim, T-A-M-I-M. And so it gets a little misinterpreted because when I read this, I'm like, okay, I give up now. I, I can't do that. I can't be blameless. I might as well just stop now. But what this word means in the Hebrew is complete or entire. And that's what you're working on now. And some of you are closer to being that way, or in many respects are that way. And actually with Jesus' blood, you get there. It means complete or entire. It doesn't mean that you're perfect or without flaw or defect. Because we're all with that. That's why Jesus had to come. So how do you kind of transcribe that word into English? Tamim. Here's some thoughts for you. Whole, full, finished, well-rounded, wholehearted, sound, sincere, innocent. You know, you can do this stuff. You can be that way. Actually, most of you are. You have that in your life, that you're becoming what the word means, complete or entire, whole. So if God were saying, Bob, Sally, whoever, whatever your name are, Joe, Denise, looks down and say, you're whole, you're full, you're finished, you're complete, you're well-wounded, you're wholehearted, you're sound, you're sincere, you're innocent. That's the kind of God we serve. That's what blameless means. When you read about Noah, you think, oh, I can never be like Noah. He was just like us. And God told him to build an ark when he was 500 years old, and he just obeyed. He didn't quite know what was going to happen. He was probably mocked and ridiculed. It probably took him 60 or 70 years to build this thing. His football field long or bigger. It's huge. He just obeyed. Job was the same way. When his wife said, curse God and die, because they lost all their kids. They lost all their possessions. They were rich. They lost all that. And she said, curse, curse God and, and die. Thank goodness that's not what I told my wife when she was <laughs> sick. Because her answer should be, I can never do that. Shall I not accept good from God and the bad as well? There's just a faithfulness to God there. There's a blamelessness. So that's really what I wanted to share with you. Because if you had maybe wanted to become an elder or a Bible talk leader or do great things in the church, because I didn't always want to be an elder, to be honest with you. They asked me, and I'm like, meh, not interested. I'm busy. I'm not qualified. I can go on and on. But 
you could be in a place where, you know, can I be like that? Yes, this is how you do it. But you got to live the life behind the scenes in secret. You're doing it for God. You're doing it for God first. And so that's my encouragement to you. That's my challenge to you. This, I think, is great quiet time material. Going back through these scriptures, as I mentioned, Ephesians, the last three chapters, Titus, there's lots more. But hopefully this will help you in your walk with God. And thank you for your attention and